we become masters. I mean, we, come, we come, become slaves of that which we should be masters of. We're supposed to rule over work and, and work not rule over us. Let's have a look at the foundations of work. Obviously, in Genesis, this is where God sets everything up. God created. Genesis 1, um, 1 verse 27 and 28, all well-known passage, a creation account. God creating humankind in His image. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and every living thing that moves in the earth. So God created us to be image bearers just like Him. And I, and I want to try and expand what this means. Image, uh, I think it's a, it's a powerful concept. Be fruitful and multiply. I think we've thought of it as like increase in number. You know, go from two people to ten people. Yes, it is that, but it's way more than that. Be fruitful and multiply. Uh, fill the earth. Culturally, so we are created in God's image, so we are to be like Him. What did He do? God created Adam and Eve, and He put them in an environment where they would thrive, and He told them to start there and expand and fill and multiply and increase. It's apostolic in its nature. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. It's apostolic in its nature. Yes, have children and be more than two. That's just the basic thing, but it's not. It's more than that. It's, it's, it's create communities. Schools. <clears throat> so more widely, be fruitful and multiply can be create, uh, foster and nurture human relationships, shape cultures, communities, schools, churches, cities, governments. It includes all of that. That's the mandate. That's what it means to be like God. And then exercise dominion. Simply taking chaos and changing it into order, bringing direction where there's aimlessness, cultivating leadership, providing order, exercising self-control, building infrastructure, developing agriculture, enhancing ed education, be more artistic, etc., etc., etc. Exercise dominion. When we build a personal work culture on this foundation, it's like an umbrella mandate that we live under. Everything we do is because we are not because we've been given a job, but it's because of who we are. It has meaningful, it has purpose. I can be a teacher and I can just teach so that I can get my salary. It's, that's insipid. Or I can be a teacher because... I'm going to change lives, and I'm, I'm creating a culture. I'm building into to these young people who will one day build power stations, be engineers, and fix problems. It's completely different. That's the mandate. That's the, in a sense, and I think when Jesus prayed or said, I have come, um, I'm thinking of the wrong verse. When, G, when Jesus said, um, I have come to destroy the works of the enemy, I think he was including this mindset that reduces 
what we do every day, every vocation, down to less than, bigger than me. Being like God is to think outside yourself. If you just do your job for you, it's too small. It's not human. We created in the image of God who thought outside of himself. He's got bigness in him, and we ought to be like that in everything we do. And that changes everything, and then we can be fully enthused and come up with great problem-solving initiatives Imagine a country where every person who worked in every job worked like that, with that thing, that actually, like the Bible says, as unto the Lord. No corruption, no theft, no inefficiencies. Everyone doing their job, coming up with an initiative and doing it enthusiastically. And we can't wait for the non-Jesus followers to lead in this. We've got to set the tone. And so we've got to change something of how we see work. We as leaders of people have got to help them join what they do in the everyday to this little commission. That mandate of be fruitful and multiply. Take dominion. The enemy would like to reduce our everyday to something meaningless and not significant. How are you doing? How are you doing in your attitude towards work? Are you tolerating less than actually this is significant because of we being like God, creating environments, creating cultures, shaping an environment. On a family level, you shape an environment so that you bring your children into an environment that they can thrive. That's just on a family level. On a community level, on a national level, etc. Work. God ordained. Just like God. It's beautiful. I lost half of you right there. Let's go to rest. It's an easier topic to talk about. <clears throat> um, we are to work for six days and rest for one day. Most people develop issues with work because they develop their theology from experience. In other words, they don't rest properly, so work becomes a toil, and more and more of a toil, so then they, they develop their theology on their experience. Work must be not good or hard or a drain because they haven't rested well or don't understand rest. I'm, I'm passionate about this because of my story in... 2011, Lee and I started leading the team that lead River Life Church. And as Stan said, I'm a farmer, so I'm a business person. And so the Mondays off just didn't work. If you're running a business, it's the most important day of the week. So you can't take that. And so after a few years, we blinked our eyes and we're just working seven days a week. Um, and um, we started to feel some of the effects of running too hard and uh, so we went to uh, a, a lady who's probably the most professional uh, doctor type that I've ever sat with. She was a, a multidisciplinary endocrinologist. And so she took about 20 vials of blood from us. And, we, and, sh and she basically looked at your so 
endocrinologist looks at the hormones and all the levels and how they should balance each other and when they're out, what, what you'll feel like. And she starts reading, my, and I was, I'll go along because Lee needs help, you know, and I'm, the hel I'm okay, you know, she's a stressed out one. She starts reading my, my, all my numbers, and she says, you are so, your stress levels are so high, it's a miracle you're alive. You, like, might have a heart attack as you walk out the door kind of thing, you know. So I'm like, and honestly, I'm like, I I've never been stressed a day of my life. That's how I'm thinking. I'm like, so that day I started to learn what stress looked like in me. Because clearly I was redlining. But I felt, hey, stress, what stress? All right? And so that was the start of learning. And God had started to pressurize me and talk to me about Sabbath and about um, rest and what rest really is. Um, and like, rest isn't just not working. God didn't rest because he was tired. So rest isn't recovery. And anyway, um, so I want to give you some guidelines of some things that I've learned and I'm still on this journey. Number one, we need to have a weekly, a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly rhythm of rest. This is the area where you can take dominion and put order with this chaos if there's chaos there. Um, and obviously when we talk about rest, we're talking about physical, mental, emotional rest. All of those. There's probably more, but that's all I've learned. Um, that was funny. You can laugh. Yeah. Um, daily, daily rest. So obviously you go to sleep. But I think the biggest, the biggest hindrance to our daily routine of rest is this thing. It's the most wonderful tool, but what it's, happened, what it's enabled us to happen in the, in the old days you used to leave work and go home. And that was the line that was drawn at the end of your work and the start of your rest because you couldn't do any work because you weren't in the office. This thing here has enabled us to answer the email. So technically you jump back in your car, you go back to work, you're in the office and you come back when you just look at your email. All right? And so if you're serious about rest, you've got to draw a line, and that's a daily thing. So when does your rest start, and when does your work start and end? Daily rhythm. You've got, and you've got to work it out for you. Weekly rhythm. Obviously, we, do, we um, just like God set up in Genesis, we are to rest one day. We work six days, rest one day. We started off, and it was tough, just taking half a day off. To, to try and claw this back. When you work every day, you think you can't not work every day. You, you, you can't just say, oh, just, just take a day off. You can't. Your whole mindset, your whole life, everything just won't let you. And so a week... So... If you don't rest every day, you'll long for the weekend and you, you'll say you're recouping on the weekend. That means your daily rhythm is not right. Because you need to now recover on your one day off is a problem. So just fix a problem. Do it properly every day, every week, every month, and every year. I probably survived because I learned from my dad to holiday well. So we used to do like six or eight weeks of holiday. And when I leave the farm, then I can't do anything. So then I rest. 
And so that's probably what saved me. But you've got to learn these rhythms for yourself. Um, number two, start with a small, meaningful change. Don't overreach. So when we hadn't been taking a day off, we literally started with a, a half a day. And it was a, a struggle to not work for half that day. But we didn't try and take a whole day because we knew we'd fail at it. So start with what you can manage. Do that well. If it's an hour, if it's two, do that well. And then build on that, build on that, build on that. <clears throat> we used to have a rule. No, on our, on our day off, no church, no family, no business talk. So you have to like learn a whole other vocabulary. Because you're like crickets, you know. <laughs> Um, and you have to help each other because you might be resting physically, not doing the work, but actually you're not here and you're not here. Um, number three, soul rest is probably the most important. And soul rest is to do with your relationships. Obviously, the greatest soul rest you can get is to fix this relationship with God. But as costly are these relationships that we have with people. And so I want to give you three things in when dealing with relational issues with people. Number one, attitude. You've got to change how you think about relational unresolved things. You've got to completely change how you think about it. You have to have a different attitude because most of us have the attitude, I'll deal with it when I, when I can. You can't afford the sole cost of an unresolved relational thing. You think you can afford it, but you can't. It's going to drain you and drain you and drain you. You have to deal with it as soon as you can because then your soul will rest. So your attitude needs to change. Secondly, your altitude, this is a Paul Langtonism, is the high road and the low road. The, the high road is an abundance of clear, peaceful communication. The low road is sparse, unskillful, attitude-filled communication. And you can choose which road, how you're going to do it, how you're going to engage and... and, and um, Thirdly, fortitude. When you suddenly start dealing with your relational things, it's going to get bad and worse first. It's okay. Just have fortitude. Stick at it, finish it, and it gets better after that. Because everyone's going to say, geez, we've had this going forever. It's like Leah and I are in a phase of our life where our kids are gone, and it's wonderful. Not that we don't love them, but it's why we raised them to go. So, and it's beautiful. But now she's finding herself. Like she's no longer a mom and a whatever and whatever. And now she argues with things. We, I'm like, we've had this system for 20 years. It's like, just leave it alone. <laughs> just like, it's like, no, no, but I want this. I'm like, but you never did, you know. Um, so things will get worse. But I, I want her to, I want her, Worse first before they get better. I want her to be completely her. I want her to own who she is. And so we're on this journey, but it's admin for me. Because we've done it so long, and I never knew there was a problem. I'm just a guy. <laughs> but you need fortitude. You need to push through, because it actually gets way better, because that's how relationships work. And for us to have soul rest, we need relational peace. 
And so there's a bit of a journey. So the first part is you have to finish the internal journey before you engage with the person. And so you need to forgive. You need to get perspective. You need to pray. You need to ask the Holy Spirit to get you over the stuff before you go and engage with them. So do the internal stuff before you do the outward journey. So go deal with it. Get before the Lord. Go to the person that you talk to. Get them to help you and give you perspective in that thing. And then when you've done that, you've done the internal restoration. Then the second thing is you do, then you engage with the person. Time and place. Wait for the reaction. Remember why you came. Why you why you're engaging in the first place. And then clarity and consistency. That's how we deal with emotional stress. And then mental rest. Mental rest. God has given us a system of living in the Bible. He's given us Biblical perspective truths. And so it just requires you renewing your mind. We just default to thinking in a certain way. And disciple yourself in changing how you think. Otherwise you'll never, you'll have your day off. You'll go on holiday. But you won't ever rest. Because here and here, you're actually just still on. You're still working. You're still, the problems are not solved. So you've got you to renew your mind. You've got to stop thinking that and now think as you should. <clears throat> and so for me, work and rest are critical foundational fixes and things that we have to get right as the church because the governments are going to do it. People out there are not going to do it. But the church is... We are the apostolos. We are the sent ones. Every single one needs to feel that mandate, that, that mandate of be fruitful, multiply, take dominion, take the initiative. Why are there so many problems, load shedding, corruption, no accountability, etc., etc., etc.? Because not enough people are living as image bearers. The more people who live as image bearers and do everything as unto the Lord, no problems. And who's going to solve it? Only the church. And who's going to help the church live it first? You and I, if we lead us. Amen? Be fruitful and multiply. Take responsibility. Build family. Build cities. That is the mandate. That is why you exist. To build, create, fashion, environments, schools, families, governments. Not, don't do it for money. Do it for why you, why you, the, greater, the greater commission. Take dominion. Not enough people are making order where there's chaos. Ordering workspaces. Managing yourself so that you can manage others. Living as an agent of our King and what He expects, what He created us for. No one's going to change South Africa but us. We've got to change how we think. We've got to change how our whole nation thinks about work. And if we do that, the fruit will be later, all of these things that we long for. Can I pray for you? <clears throat>
Father, you created us for purpose. You created us to bring change, to, to live outside of ourselves, to live bigger than me. And Father, would you anoint us today? Give us eyes to see so that we can be those who are the fixers of problems, that we can respond with the heart that you've put inside of us, that we can respond with, with much enthusiasm and on our own initiative because of what we see. Lord, I pray that you anoint us to shape and reshape our families, our churches, and our workplaces. In Jesus' name, amen.